welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years, and now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, independent college counselor, and I'm here with Joel Ford, school counselor at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. Our producer, Mike Piergowski, English teacher and 2023 state champion tennis coach at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, also recording a day before his 38th birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Mike. Happy birthday, Mike. Mr. Ford, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. End of the semester. Uh, recording this in in mid-December, so I think, what, 12 days to Christmas right now? Yeah. Getting ready for the the 17-month-old grandchild. That's just going to be what it's all about this year, sir. That's, that's going to be fun. Right, right now, I'm not even worried about Christmas. It's just four more wake-ups until break. <laughs> Always waiting for break. I like it. Just the break. We'll, we'll get to the fun stuff later. But, um, yeah, just trying to get the semester finished and, um, you know, waiting on, waiting on the FAFSA. When will it open? Well, I have a, I have a counselor call tomorrow for one of my ED schools. Um, I... Uh, found out where we'll talk about one of the situations today that was really good deal and just kind of waiting for EDs to roll in. Yep. Um, Working with kids. I stay open during break uh, when I can so that I can help students with their January one, two, three deadlines. Yeah. But it's not intense. It's fun. It's cool. Right. So, so before we get started with today's topic, uh, I want to address an omission from our last episode. Um, this sounds so serious, Joel. This sounds it, very serious. It, it is extremely serious. Okay. Uh, we here at the Get Schooled Podcast and the Get Schooled World Headquarters, we pride ourselves on the knowledge we provide, the extensive research we conduct, and the quality podcasts that we and our huge support staff provide. That being said, I, before we, we get to the opening segment, I need to quickly mention that I neglected a food-sponsored bowl in the last episode. <gasps> we went, we went no. through all, we went through all of these crazy bowl games, and I forgot perhaps one of the most interesting ones. So for a moment, I'd like to give them the spotlight. And so, kudos to you, Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I know what you're thinking. This year's Wasabi Fenway Bowl will be on December 28th. And it features the Boston College Golden Eagles from the Atlantic Coast Conference versus the Southern Methodist University Mustangs from the American Athletic Conference. Now, I don't know about you, Chris. I, I remember a NACAC conference where we went to Boston. Yeah. And to me, the memories of wasabi in Boston, I mean, it's it's a natural match. It's, it's right? real. I mean, yeah. It's, when I, mean, I think of real. Boston, I just that's the first thing I think of. Right. Not exactly. Beans. Or tea party, I think wasabi. I mean, I, you know, get rid of the clam chowder. Just give me wasabi. So, <laughs> actually, there's there's probably a little truth to that because I do like spicy food. Um, so, you know, wasabi Fenway Bowl. Actually, I'll probably end up watching, but just more because I, there's nothing else on. So now I have to watch it because we talked right. about it. I mean, I, we have we have to. I love wasabi. So there. So. For today's episode, um, I came up with a, a Christmas list for college admissions. Um, so, you know, Santa Claus, if you're out there, if you're listening, um, if you're if you're a regular podcast listener, um, I'd like to ask for the following things on my Christmas. So, this list. is your your Christmas list for like college counseling, college counselors. Uh, uh, yes, just the broad picture. Your, 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 your wish list, your Christmas right. list. All so, right. so my, my first wish is for better school counselor to student ratios. And that's always going to be number one on my list. Um, until, the, until the day I die, I will forever be a school counselor. Um, and so when I make this wish to Santa, I'm not talking mental health professional. I'm not talking just a college coach. I'm not talking just an academic advisor. 
those are all great positions. Okay. But I, I, I'm a school counselor. I'm trained in those, all those areas. Bring more of us to the schools. Okay. We know the ratios are not where they should be. So um, that's always going to be number one on the list. Awesome. Number one. All right. Number two, to go along with that, more recognition of and support for public school counselors and public school students. Um, Roughly 90% of students and almost 87% of secondary schools are public, but it seems like much of the focus, at least in the media, seems to be on like the elite private schools. Okay. Um, I go, I've been to several NACACs. I feel it. I love NACAC. Don't get me wrong, but I feel it within minutes. I feel like there aren't a lot of, of just public school counselors like me. Well, they're um, cause they're not. Okay. But that's where the majority of students are. Yes. You're so right. let's recognize that and grow support for those who are there supporting students not just in college admissions, but in their overall mental, emotional, and academic development. Love it. Number three, Santa, the better FAFSA. We need this thing to work. (laughs) We've all been waiting for it. If you want to see what it's going to look like, um, if you're listening, I'd suggest going to YouTube. Look up a how-to video by Kia, the Kentucky Higher Education Assistance Authority, and our friend Keith Ritchie. Hey, Keith. Um, he walks you through each step of the new FAFSA, and frankly, it looks like it, it's going to work. It looks like it's going to be a good thing. We just need it to work. And as an aside, it would be nice if we knew when it's going to open. You'll know when you know. Of, but hey, this one, Santa might bring this one. Let's hope. I'm tired of the phrase by December 31st. Just want to say that. All right. Number four, easier, more standardized financial aid award letters. There's too many numbers. There's too much education speak. There's too much confusion. Parents come in every year. They have trouble. Just just standardize it. Make it make it user friendly. Okay. Number five, and you know this is a gripe of mine. So Santa, if you're listening, please end the practice of of schools saying that they cover 100% of financial need. And then you find out they're using student loans to do so. Okay. That's not covering 100% of need. That's helping kids get a student loan. Either cover it or don't. And if you don't, just admit that it's a student loan. Okay. But I hate when schools do that. Okay. Um, So that's number five. Number six, more access to Pell and other grants. And not just increasing the amount, which would be nice but increasing the number of people who qualify for it, okay? Um, You know, in the area I'm in, to be honest, I have a lot of families who will give some pushback at first. They don't want to fill out the FAFSA because they make too much to qualify for a Pell Grant, but they don't make enough to afford college easily, okay? So, you know, Chris, you and I have talked. I'm not always a huge fan of the government spending tons of money, but in the case of education, I'm very much interested in it. It's an investment in our population. Uh, we need an educated citizenry, so let's let's increase the grant um, access for students. All right, I agree. Number seven, if I'm dreaming, and we we had an episode earlier on this one, let's create a more standardized admissions process. Not saying it should be the Common App or the Coalition App. But the idea of a one-stop shop for applying to college is quite appealing. And I know it's something that NACAC is working toward. Um, Again, make the process easier, not more difficult. Always. Number eight. All right. A more streamlined process between dual credit and college, as well as between two- and four-year institutions. Um, I'm thankful for what we have in Kentucky when it comes to that. Um, Dual credit is like the big thing here as it is a lot of places, and and the relationship between our, our two-year community colleges and our four-year publics is quite strong. So I'd like to see that in other places. Uh, number nine, peace on earth and peace on campuses. Uh, we've, we've talked about a lot of huge topics on this podcast since we started in 2019. There's been a lot of change 
a lot of individual change, a lot of societal change. Um, but the one thing that, that we talk about with that is civility, civility in our conversations, civility in our differences of opinion. Um, institutions of learning should be the first place that civility exists and it's taught and it's where it occurs and, and a safe place for, for people to learn and debate and question and agree to disagree. So Santa, we could use some peace everywhere. And number 10. My last wish kind of goes along with that, but on a more personal level, rest of body, mind, and spirit. Um, no matter what your position is, what you do, we all need recharging. We all need support from colleagues. We all need a break. Um, I'm truly thankful for this podcast as it really has turned in from something crazy to try that Chris sort of cornered me into to something that is really an important part of my professional life. I'm also thankful for my podcast partner who helped get me hired for my first counseling job, which I'm still there 18 years later, and taught me pretty much most everything I know about school counseling and college admissions. And I'm also thankful for our producer, Mike, because without this podcast, he and I probably never would have met. Um, and so getting to meet him and work with him and hang out with him, that's that's been an awesome thing as well. So number 10, Santa, give us some rest for two weeks, four more wake-ups. Oh, thanks, um, any, anything you can bring to us, we'll take. Well, thanks. You know you made a good hire when they're there 18 years. So, you know, lasted longer than I did. In that, well, there in that you go. You're literally a better hire than I was. Well, uh, I don't know about that, but I'll think on that tomorrow when I'm sitting in my office that used to be your office. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's all it's all fun. Um, well, and that's in, in getting in all the feels, you know, that people don't know who just listen to this, that uh, you keep you keep this thing rolling. You're, you start the scripts, you get them to the point where I go in and finish them, <laughs> do my, do my parts, but you keep the episodes going. You text me and say, Hey, when are we doing this? When are we doing that? So, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so for listeners, remember, get schooled by Reeves and Ford as part of the NACAC podcast network, where you can find a variety of podcasts centered around various aspects of the world of college admissions. Just Google NACAC Podcast Network. That's N-A-C-A-C Podcast Network. And the first link will take you to that variety of podcasts, including ours, that you may want to listen to after you listen to this one. So with that, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's get into Quest Bridge, which we have not mentioned yet. So that's what we're talking about today. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Chris, I think the topic today of QuestBridge is one that many professionals have heard of, but I'm not sure that they know a significant amount about. So we're going to rectify that today. And like on most episodes, Chris, why don't you introduce today's guest and we'll get started. Absolutely. As we, all, as we always joke, the best part of our podcast is when someone else is talking. So let Absolutely. me introduce... Uh, someone I met not too, too long ago, but I've really grown to like quite a bit. Her name is Dr. Christian Martell. Christian is the Director of Student Recruitment for QuestBridge. She grew up in Brownsville, Texas, and attended Brown University, earning a Bachelor of Arts degree in Political Science and American Studies. She has a Master of Science in Education from the University of Miami in Enrollment Management, and a PhD from the Marsal School of Education at the University of Michigan in higher ed, where her research was on the organizational processes that help or hinder college access and success for historically marginalized students. She has worked as a middle school teacher, a program manager, marketing specialist. Her experiences are quite extensive. She and her partner, Wayne, live in Houston, Texas, along with their Basenji pup, Cairo. And now she can add guest and friend to 
of the Get Schooled podcast to her list of accomplishments. Christian, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Definitely looking forward to it. And, you know, is it okay if we just start like slamming you with questions? Is this what we're going to (laughs) do? That's why I'm here. (laughs) Definitely. All right. Great. Joel? Well, so let's start with the basics. Um, Give our listeners a bit of background. What is QuestBridge and how did it start? Yeah, so QuestBridge is a national nonprofit that connects high-achieving students from low-income backgrounds to some of the top colleges and universities in the country. Um, And then we help support them uh, graduate from those colleges and and beyond, um, getting well into their careers and establishing themselves as professionals uh, once they've graduated. And uh, for a little bit of history, um, we've been around since 1994. Our, Our founders actually um, kind of conceptualized the idea of, of QuestBridge and our early rendition um, when one of them was still an undergraduate student, uh, the other one was just barely graduating from uh, from Stanford, and they were really um, looking at bringing in a more diverse uh, sort of student body, one that reflected uh, the socioeconomic diversity that they saw around them that wasn't necessarily represented on campus. And so they were really looking to... Um, bring more students uh, onto the campus to expose them to what it could be like to be on a campus like Stanford's. And um, the way they did that was actually through a summer program. So it was a five-week residential, very high-touch program. um, And they saw that sort of as the start of the relationship with that student, right? So these were juniors in high school. um, And so they you know, provided workshops on um, like building their skills, but also how to apply to college, kind of the nuts and bolts of college applications. Um, And so that's how it started. And then they proceeded to sort of follow them uh, through their application to college, through their time in college and well into their careers. Uh, So really early on, it was a pretty small cohort of students around 40, you know, 20 to 40 uh, any given year. But Sometime around 2003, uh, the idea was that they would take what they had learned in those original years and really help scale that um, to expand to an even greater range of students. And that's where uh, sort of the the concept of our premier program now, the National College Match, was started. And so um, they focused in really on that college access part. Um, How do we get more qualified high income or uh, low income students into these colleges? And uh, it kind of took off from there. So we've been growing ever since. And at this point, it's kind of that full circle moment where we're not just uh, working on getting students to college. We're also helping um, them graduate from those colleges and uh, helping them as alums as well. That's really helpful to me. I mean, I feel like I know a good amount about QuestBridge, having worked with some students throughout over the years. But, you know, I've heard... I've heard, well, I've heard people say over the years, like a comment from a counselor might be, you know, QuestBridge is is fine, but my students who have those stats and that economic standpoint, you know, could get the same result by just applying early decision. But, but, But your answer by saying helping them as a cohort get through college, that would not exist in a situation like that. Like that's kind of short-sighted maybe of, of, I don't know, someone to say or think in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm the perfect example actually. So when I was in high school, I actually, this was early on in the national college match, but I received a a flyer for QuestBridge uh, in the mail and sort of took a look and and said, first of all, this seems too good to be true. It's probably a scam. So kind of threw it away. My my counselor was very unfamiliar with it as well. And so um, I decided to pursue my own options for college and you know, went through the process of applying to, uh, to receive waivers, to not have to pay for applic- application fees and, and going through, through that um, as a first generation college student. And so it was a, a pretty tough process just applying to some of these schools. But even once I got in, the idea that okay, now that I'm in, this is great. This is what I've been working for. But um, I needed an extra sort of boost in confidence um, that could come through what knowing peers who were also going through this experience would would allow me to. So there was a point there where even if I had an exemptance to, you know, the the school I ultimately attended, um, 
I wasn't quite sure I was even going to go. And luckily, there was one other person at my school who had also applied and also got in. And so, um, you know, most most students in my uh, from my background wouldn't have that. And so if it wasn't for my knowing, you know, a really good friend who was also going to um, to Brown, I probably would have stopped there, probably would have stayed a little closer to home. Um, and then once I got to Brown, it was just really nice to have that person there who, you know, got through the or helped me get through the homesickness and um, other things that come with transitioning to a school that's really, really far away um, and really different from where I grew up. Will you, so will you talk? We think Crossbridge has that built-in community. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm curious because you've this is part of your probably dissertation or research. Will you will you talk more about the need for continual support for? Um, I mean, lots of different types of students, but but surely students that might be a match for Questbridge. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think for a really long time in, in higher ed, um, a lot of research focused and, and a lot of efforts were focused around college access. How do we get uh, greater representation of students who have traditionally not been accounted for, um, especially at selective institutions? to apply and to attend. And, and certainly that is still, there's still a lot of work to be done in that aspect. But sure. um, the more that we start to think about not just getting students to a campus, but how do we help support them through, right? Especially um, understanding like the rising cost of higher ed and um, how, you know, even if you're going and, and you're maybe taking out loans and things, you, you wanna make sure you're graduating. You wanna make sure you're getting that return. Um, when you decide to go to college. And so I think as there was the shift from focusing on college access to focusing on success, um, we start to see more research come out of, you know, how do we support first-generation students? How do we support low-income students? How do we support students from, um, you know, different backgrounds on college campuses? And so um, it's nice, I think, you know, an organization like Westbridge, when it was in its founding and it was really small to support a cohort of students not just in applying, but really uh, intimately in making sure that they were graduating, making sure that they had that first job or that they were able to apply to graduate school afterwards. Um, you know, many of those early uh, Questbridge uh, participants went on to become Rhodes Scholars even, right? Like that application process and supporting them in that. And so um, I think it was learnings that we had from really early on and, and now we're just seeing it uh, being played out more at scale. So. Um, I think it's really important to not just get students to a college campus, but to make sure that they're that they're walking away with that degree and that they're walking away with with the outcomes that they want to see from uh, going to college, whether that's career related, professionally related, but also that personal growth that they're getting um, through that college experience. That's that's fantastic. I you I think you've kind of alluded to it, but I, we wanted to ask about like a good summary of QuestBridge's mission. Yeah. So if you feel like you're not repeating yourself too much, I think that would be cool for listeners to to hear. Yeah, absolutely. You know, part of that mission is definitely working with um, high school students to make sure that they're getting to college, that they're getting through and, and helping them beyond. I think it's important, too, to flesh out that um, this is really in service of, of the students and their families and the impact that they that those families will have and those communities that they're coming from. Um, but also in, in a more macro scale, right? Um, this is helping our society to have a more um, diverse group of leaders, right? Because often um, we see so many of, you know, high positions and things like that in our society come from uh, a small number of schools. And so to make sure that there is some socioeconomic diversity represented at these schools and then further along in leadership, um, in, in our country is really important. And so that's always kind of been baked into the to the mission of QuestBridge as well. Do you feel like you have been hired at like the perfect place for you to work with like your background skills, talents, and passions? I think so. I do. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> I think it's, um, you know, I, I was very thoughtful about where I wanted to, to work, um, especially after sort of a, a grueling doctoral experience, um, which I 
enjoyed, but, you know, was ready. Uh, I think by the time I, I was defending my dissertation to, to see uh, where I would lead. And so um, I think for me, it's, it's very much taking the, the skills I picked up professionally in my, in my various roles, um, being able to build programs and build teams and, and have that capacity um, and that ability to do that at QuestBridge, but really about the type of population, like the students that we are ultimately serving um, is the part that uh, keeps me motivated and, you know, gets me up every day. So I just can't even imagine how good your interview probably was just because it's like, it's personal to you in your own life and the things you care about. So kudos to you. It's inspiring, honestly, just to kind of see somebody, I know this is maybe off the subject and just getting personal, but just like to see somebody who is so passionate about something and kind of putting it to practice and all those years of education and all of that. So we're lucky. We're lucky to have you on this on this podcast, <laughs> Joel. I'm I'm digging in a lot. So if you, yeah, I kind of want to get into the process itself. So let's start at the beginning. Like the type of students that are potential candidates are they are they the high academic achievers? Are they the ones that are active in their community? Are they the ones that are in multiple extracurriculars? Like like what type of student? I mean, we know the mission and that, but just mm-hmm. from a from a school resume standpoint, what type of student would be a potential candidate? Yeah, absolutely. So we we say we work with high achieving students from low income backgrounds. So on the high achieving part of that equation, um, you know, we're looking for students who any student who attends a U.S. high school is eligible to apply, regardless of their citizenship status and. Uh, in terms of their academics, we're looking for students who are mostly, you know, receiving A's in some of the most challenging courses available to them at their high school. So um, we're looking for, you know, rigorous course taking patterns from that high school. And, um, you know, we are test optional. So but if they've taken tests and they're submitting them they're, you know, we have a range that we put up on our website um, that they should look to. Um, in terms of their engagement, we, we do uh, consider what students are doing outside of the classroom. And for us, it's important for us to see that they're being thoughtful with their time. And that could look like, you know, being really engaged in school activities and athletics. Um, or it could look like, you know, doing a lot of community service around their, around their town or their city where they're from. Um, but that could also look like being engaged in their family and home setting. Uh, you know, many of our students are... Uh, translating for their parents. They are taking care of younger siblings or elderly grandparents. They're holding down jobs. Um, All of those things we're we're looking at holistically when we review a student application. And so um, we just want to see students that are, you know, intellectually curious, they're challenging themselves in their, in their courses, but um, they're also, you know, they're also engaged and they're good people and um, they're expressing that in their application. On the financial side, I would say that, um, you know, typically our students are coming from, um, we would say, families of four with uh, $65,000 in annual income and minimal assets. So, um, you know, that could look very different if you're coming from a a family of eight, right? You might have a higher income than $65,000 or it might be lower than that if it's a smaller household. Um, You could be coming from a family who owns a restaurant and that's an, that's an asset that you're accounting for. But um, I think generally we, we say we don't have absolute cutoffs. And if the student thinks that they have faced uh, significant financial challenges in their lifetime, that they should go ahead and apply and, and let right. us know. And our application has a lot of places where they can, you know, let us know their story and let us know those, those unique circumstances to them. Yeah. From my experience, your application gives them plenty of chances to tell their story. It's, it's so, really nice that way. So where should a school counselor start in this process of, for helping their students? Yeah, so we actually, we have two programs for, for high school students. So school counselors, um, I would say, you know, where possible if you're working with juniors or, or younger students, ninth and 10th graders, that they're looking to um, help them apply to our, our junior program, which is the College Prep Scholars Program. Um, and that application typically opens in early February, closes in March of uh, the spring of the junior year. Um, and really, that's a program to uh, allow really prep students for the college application process, whether or not they're applying to college with QuestBridge or not. So, um, you know, if they're selected as college prep scholars, they receive specialized guidance and resources the summer before their senior year. 
Um, most of this is all virtual. It's not that students are having to you know, go to a place to, to receive these resources. Um, we do have a, uh, a conference that they are invited to as college prep scholars, um, some in person, some virtual as well. And really at those conferences, they're getting to meet uh, representatives from all of our college partners, um, as well as receiving you know, workshops and resources that they can use to become stronger applicants for college in the fall of their senior year. Um, there's also a lot of like specialized awards that they could apply to uh, above what every college prep scholar receives. And so in some cases, these awards look like getting essay feedback or, um, you know, $1,000 to spend on educational expenses, which a lot of students will use to use, uh, will use on things like test prep or visiting colleges in the summertime um, or buying a laptop to apply, you know, to fill out those applications in the fall. So um, it's pretty open-ended uh, resources that they'd be getting. So. I did not know. I would say that's the first spot <laughs> to start. Yeah. And I didn't know that college, prep scholars was first because everyone knows it for what you're about to tell us i believe with with the match program that's how that's how Questbridge is if you know Questbridge already but not too well you probably know the match but i did not know from your from your historical perspective that the college prep scholars really was was foundational so i appreciate yeah, that well, yeah or, i mean the original summer program started with juniors right yeah <laughs> so we yeah. were prepping those juniors to apply um and so the yeah, I think the the first the first entry point for students is the college prep scholars program. Now, um, you know, if a student doesn't do the junior program, they can still apply to the match, uh, the national college match, their senior year, and and certainly so many of them do. Um, but I think you know, for those that do, um, find out about us really early on. And and if you're a counselor and you're listening, and you know, students that you think might be qualified for the match later, you know, have them apply to the to the junior program. Um, what we have found is that uh, actually this year we, we ran the numbers again just recently um, and, you know, students who do the College Prep Scholars Program are actually six times more likely to become matched scholarship recipients in the fall. So not just finalists, but to receive the matched scholarship. To get the match. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So, so we keep throwing around the word match and, and the bigger phrase national college match. Um, so I know, Chris, you, you had a, a match this year, correct? I did. Um, I, just for full disclosure, I've had three in my entire career of like right. 30 years. So it's a big deal like right. to get matched. So, yeah, having one this year was very cool to trade some emails right. back and forth with, with my guy. Yeah. So you, you had one this year. I had one two years ago. But – Let's talk about the the process. Like like, what is this mystical college match, and how does it work, and and what's Questbridge's role in in that match between student and college? Yeah, so the really our premier program, um, like you said, usually when you think of Questbridge, you're thinking of this program, and and it's called the National College Match, and it's for high school seniors. Um, that application opens in August, typically, and uh, will close in late September every year. And it's really both a college application and a scholarship application rolled into one. So when students um, decide to apply to college through QuestBridge, um, they're applying to the National College Match. They're filling out what is pretty much a college application, including um uh, section on their finances, which is what we use for the, the scholarship part of it. Um, and so when they apply, uh, they have the opportunity, if they'd like, to rank up to 15 colleges um, and to be considered for a match scholarship, which is a full four-year uh, guaranteed scholarship to any of our um, college partners. And so, you know, in that process, uh, students end up matching um, potentially. And so that's when a school wants to offer that student um, this match scholarship and they have ranked them high on their list, uh, we consider that a match. So really it's the student is driving the process, right? They're telling us what schools they want to be considered at. Um, and if that school also wants to consider and give them that scholarship, um, then it's a binding commitment. They've, they've matched. The student has been admitted early with that full scholarship, um, and the the institution knows that they're counting on that student um, to enroll the following fall. 
uh, our role in the process is, um, you know, having, we host the application, we review those applications and we select finalists and finalists are those that we believe are the strongest candidates um, to be matched scholarship recipients. But ultimately it is up to our college partners to decide who they would like to give the match scholarship to. Um, I'll also just note that QuestBridge does not provide the scholarship money. Um, those funds are coming directly from our college partners to the student. Um, so we're, we're not providing a, a match scholarship. The match scholarship is coming from the institution itself. So, so when the student hits the submit button, it goes, it goes to QuestBridge, obviously, right? Does it also go to, to the colleges that they've listed or when, when do the colleges see the, see the applications? Yeah. So when the student hits the submit button on that application, that's submitting it to QuestBridge. Um, we have our own review process where we're reading the applications holistically and looking to select those finalists. Um, once we select finalists, then students who want to rank schools and want to participate in the match process um, are given a form that they can fill out to let us know what that rank uh, list is for them. And again, they could rank anywhere from you know, one college to up to 15 colleges to be considered for. Um, but we, you know, we urge students to do their research on the schools when they're building out their lists. Um, it's in priority order, right? They will only match with one school if they match at all. So they really need to uh, build out those lists in the priority order. Um, but making sure that they're putting schools down on the list that they want to go to, right? They could match with their 15th school. Um, uh, and so they must be willing to, to go because it is a binding process. And so um, really after that process is when those schools get the applications for students. So they're able to see the full application that the student submitted. Often they will ask for match requirements. So students will have to submit maybe a, a supplemental essay or some other financial documentation that the school is offering to, be, to have their uh, application be fully complete. Um, for the match, but that is when they get those applications from students. Um, there's also students that choose not to rank at all, and that's okay too. So through QuestBridge, they can use the application, they could be selected as finalists, and they could be considered just in QuestBridge regular decision, which is non-binding. Um, and students would be able to, you know, those applications go to our college partners in December around this time. And so students are able to tell us, you know, these are the partners uh, by which we want to be considered for QuestBridge regular decision. And if if a student doesn't make finalist status, what happens to, because you said earlier, the application is pretty much like a college application. Where did, what happens to, to that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we offer a free college and scholarship application. If a student isn't selected as a finalist, um, they can still use, in most cases, their QuestBridge application to apply to our college partners. So it really does depend on the college at this point. And we have a we have a list on our website where you can see uh, which colleges will accept our application if, if a student is a non-finalist. Um, I just want to stress that you know it's not um, not being uh, a finalist doesn't mean that. Uh, you may not have a, a shot at any of our college partners. Um, typically, it means you're not you're not fitting that profile for finalists, right? So it could actually be that they're not, um, you know, they're students that aren't uh, coming from a low income background who've decided to finish an application with Pussbridge, and they could be very academically qualified, but they're not fitting our, our criteria. So. Um, so some students will decide as non-finalists to use their application through QuestBridge to apply. Oftentimes, I think most of the colleges that do um, take the QuestBridge application for uh, for non-finalists for a regular decision um, or EA, they they will require them to do other um, other supplemental materials as well. So all of those are listed on our website for for non-finalists and their next steps. But um, yeah, it. it it's sort of a, a more limited number of schools that they could use their application to for, apply. Um, from my on my end, if as a counselor, if you if you're listening and you're a counselor working with students in in recommending this, you just if you're going to match 15 schools, just make sure the students got capacity to get the match requirements done. 
because it depends on the school, but it can be extensive. And my second piece of work, not extensive, but adding cumulatively, I guess it could be extensive. And then the financial parts just get on it quick. That's you, you gotta, you have to get on that. You have to get that CSS profile done. If a college needs a financial, more financial information, just work on that as quickly as, as possible. It takes a decent amount of support to get through the process, but it's amazing. It, it's amazing when it happens. A quick technical question, Christian, is you, someone, the colleges don't know where they're ranked on a student's list and, and they could get matched by two schools, but the bottom school doesn't get the kid. Is that possible? Right, right. So we're, we're really honoring the wishes of the student here. So, um, you know, when we say that a student can't match to more than one school, it's truly because they are matching with the school that is highest on their list. And when we send those applications to our partners, they know that the student has ranked them, but they have no idea where they have where? Been on the list or how many other schools are on that student's list. So um, right. it's really favoring the, the student's preference. That's great. So. So are colleges restricted in any way as to how many students they can try and match with? No, I mean, really, it's up to the college. So, you know, every college, I think every year kind of changes, um, you know, how many match scholarships they're able to provide or, you know, what number of students they're, they're able to take in through this process. Um, I guess just a bigger picture kind of scale um, to look at is that, you know, it's for us, we don't have a number that we are aiming for in terms of the number of finalists that we are selecting. So we've seen that number shift from year to year, depending on the pool. Um, and then in terms of, you know, again, we're not selecting who receives the match scholarships that's done by our partners. That really depends on, on what the partners are looking for that year and, you know, how many of these uh, full scholarships they can provide. Um, but what we have seen is that for many of our students who end up becoming QuestBridge scholars, which is a, a student that has gone through our process, who's become a finalist and who ends up at a college partner, that actually most of them are getting there through regular decision or other early options. Um, you know, so the match scholarship, the, the students that match the, the ones you, you all have had in your careers, um, that's really a, a, the smaller subset of students um, that we're supporting once they get to college campuses. Uh, that bigger group is the one that, you know, has gone through the QuestBridge regular decision um, or has uh, been admitted to one of our college partners through one of their other early options. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for Friday with, uh, with, with one of ours. A um, couple stories, Joel, quick, quick numbers. It's just two things I've seen recently. It, again, like, like Christian said, it shifts year to year. Last year, I think Rice had 69 Questbridge scholars, or matches rather. Um, Colby, when I visited, my tour guide was um, a Questbridge scholar, and Colby had 37. So it's just it, each school, just whatever they have the money for in, in a lot of ways. And and if they decide how many, how many matches, I mean, you know, you're getting a really good student already. If Questbridge has vetted that student and, and, you know, put them out as a, as a finalist. So if you have, if you can do it, you, you know, you're, you know, you're kind of meeting the goals you have, cause I'm sure they align as far as an institution and what Quest, Questbridge is looking for. So right now you have partnerships with, right around 50 colleges and universities. Is that right? Yes. So right now we have 50 college partners. Mm -hmm. well, why not more? Like, what do you think is keeping colleges, a college from, from jo joining forces with Questbridge? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to speak for colleges out there, but right. I will we'll, we, we'll do that. I'll do, I'll we'll do, do that. that. I, I mean, go ahead. You answer first and I'll answer second. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, um, you know, I, I work on the high school outreach side, so I'm not uh, I'm not as familiar with um, the conversations and things that we have with our college partners. But I will share that, um, you know, the colleges and, and the college partners that we have right now, the 50 that we have um, this year, they're a variety of colleges. They're liberal arts colleges, they're university research universities. Um, they're all over the country, um, you know. Nor from coast to coast, right? And so um, I think what really binds them together and, and what really is the standard is that, you know, all of them are 
um, committed to meeting 100% of demonstrated financial need from students. And so um, that's really the, the criteria that we're looking at when we consider, um, you know, new college partner uh, requests. And we're also looking at some of that history of how they've supported students uh, like our students in the past, right? So we're not just uh, looking to partner with any kind of institution. It's really these institutions that have the resources to be able to provide, you know, great financial aid packages for our students who we know uh, will want to see that when they're applying to college, but also institutions that have a history of supporting um, the type of student that we might be bringing, be bringing to them. So um, I think those are the reasons why we don't have, uh, you know, thousands of colleges that we we partner with right now. Um, I would say the the process for uh, for college partnerships as well as we're we're not out there actively recruiting new partners. Um, you know, many institutions are at a point where uh, they're coming to us. So if a, yeah. if a institution is interested in partnering with us, um, you know, they're reaching out and, and there's a team on our staff that helps, um, you know, kind of guide those conversations and, and understand whether or not the partnership makes sense for that institution. Right. That's really interesting. Really interesting. I mean, Joel, it's part of your Christmas list, man. 100% of need without loans. <laughs> so you got to you, you start there, but I really love hearing the support concept, Christian. That's I had that's why we it's why we bring smart people on our podcast because <laughs> it, but, it makes but, a lot of sense. But it is it is striking to think, Chris, like you you said 69 students from Rice, for instance. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about the cost of a four-year education. Oh, it's a lot of money. I mean, you know, and I don't want to come off like colleges. You need to be signed. I get that, that there are a lot of factors at play, but just thinking in terms of dollars and cents, as, a, as an institution, you've really got to make a commitment financially. I think, though, doesn't don't you think it would boil down to but philosophically what, what, the, what the institutional goals are? I mean, sure. you put mo- you put money behind that, but it's not like, oh, here's our budget. Let's put X amount of dollars to this. I mean, this is a, as I know, Rice, for example, just with uh, Tamara Seiler. If you listen to Tamara, hi, but you know, she she's at Rice and has been for a long time, and she was on the NACAC board with me. And I know that she personally and her institution is fully committed to the types of students that are that are Questbridge matches. Right. And but it's philosophical. It's a core belief. Before it gets into, okay, here's our budget and how do we split the money up? But if you do say that's a core belief, you do have to back it up with money. Like there's that part of it too. Right. And it, it's not like necessarily finding a new source of revenue to, to now we're going to, you know, now we're going to have to create all this money. Maybe it's reallocating money from somewhere else and we'll just leave it at that sure right maybe non-academic ventures i feel like i'm asking too personal of a question here but like so how does Questbridge survive you you don't you don't don't get the scholarships but you have a staff and and you have software and you have applications that's that's a lot of money to have software that good so it has to the money comes from somewhere how does how does Questbridge survive yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're like other nonprofits, right? We have a, a variety of res- or a variety of sources where we get our funding from. So um, we are actually kind of at the point. It's it's really nice that we've been in it for so long. Now we have um, you know scholars and alumni who are very generous with their nice. funds, who are returning um, some some of that opportunity for for future students. So we have generous donors. We have uh, grants uh, that we've been putting out, and um, we have a director of development that does a lot of a lot of that work, and our uh, our uh, sort of leadership team does as well. Um, you know, we've had foundations who have backed us at critical moments throughout our history um, that have really been able to get us to scale uh, to the way that we have. Um, a lot of our partners are. are very kind as well. Uh, that conference that I was mentioning for college prep scholars, you know, we we do that at our college partner campuses, and uh, they open up their their campuses to yeah. us, and they have in kind donations and and all of that. So didn't Emory um, host one this summer? Yep. So yeah, Emory, right. So they, Emory Emory helps out with that. Like you're not 
Quest exactly. for Emory just kind of takes that cost is, is a generous item. And Right. So Emory, Pomona, Northwestern, um, these were all host sites this past yeah, year okay. for, for yeah. in-person conferences. So, you know, they, uh, in some cases provided volunteers to us and, um, the food services, all, all of that. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, it's, we're at a point where, because we've been doing this so long, you know, we, we have a lot of really great supporters and, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to know we've we've had our, our staff grow in the last few years, so we are able to be able to expand our pro- programmatic offerings as well. Um, so in the last two years, we've uh, you know launched a lot of um, focus around uh, careers and really supporting our students who are uh, on college campuses to navigate and explore more careers, um, but also just uh, launching what we call the graduate school match, which is. Oh, Very similar yeah. to the National College Match, but it's um, it's connecting our alums with uh, opportunities at top MBA programs. So um, that's another thing we've been able to do with, with the growth that we've had. Wow. So so and to go along with this, and this is where my mind was wondering when I wrote the question. Um, there's no financial obligation on the colleges to partner with you. It's just we we want your assistance in helping us find students to come to our school. Let's, I mean, I'm being very simplistic, obviously, but there's no like you don't pay to join entry fee, like you know, the club membership or anything like that. <laughs> correct. I mean, personally, I feel like there is a huge <laughs> commitment that these schools are making when they're they're saying they're going to take you know. 100 students right. and then provide them with full scholarships. Right. Um, but not to Questbridge itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, personally, because I don't work with college partnerships, right. I'm not really sure what that looks like, what that structure would look like. Um, but we do know that, you know, every school, when they enter the partnership, they they decide how many scholarships they're providing. And so what that looks like for them is, is varies from school to school. Well, we want to get our listeners just some ideas of basic numbers. Um, so students who start the, start the process all the way through uh, how many finalists and matches. And I know you can look it up on the website, but just for listeners in the car, driving down the road, we want them to be safe and happy. So if you can throw a few numbers out for us, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, I'll, I'll give you one better. I'll, I'll start with the College Prep Scholars Program. And oh, the, thank you. I yes. Yes. I, um, so this past year, we had over 15,000 applications for a junior program, um, of which we selected 3,518 college prep scholars. Um, about 2,200 or so of those um, joined us at any one of our conferences that I was mentioning, either in person or virtual. And then this fall, we had uh, over 20,800 applications to the National College Match. Um, of which we selected 6,683 finalists. And then most recently we announced we had 2,242 matches. And of course, we're still waiting on, you know, uh, what our regular decision numbers will be in the spring. But uh, we suspect that if it's any anything like what we've seen in the past couple of years, that, um, you know, around 40% of those that uh, were finalists and, and didn't match would end up um, receiving an admissions office offer to one of our college partners. 4,400. Are you doing some math? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. 4,400 times 0. 0.4, 16. <laughs> the slide roll out, yeah. <laughs> Carry the two. Yeah, that's like maybe 1,700 plus 1,700. Plus the, the 2,200 <laughs> that match. No, I subtracted that. Oh, Lord. The 4,400 who didn't match, 40% of that, that'd be another 1,700-something you're, you're hoping. Uh, right. Yes. Well, there's one in particular I'm hoping, <laughs> so I'll find out Friday uh, if, uh, if she, well, well, if point she gets, being, if she gets got, It's a lot of students got, getting a lot of great benefit. Point being, we've got several thousand kids who now have access to quality education that they they may not have have had previously. Right. And I think part of it too, I know this is this is someone I'm thinking of someone I work 
at Craft who did not apply through QuestBridge, but did apply early decisions somewhere. And it just took a lot of encouragement to not self-select out of a school like that. Because these partner schools are like, they're really, they're really good schools. And they, some of them have names that might scare you in some ways. And, and I don't want, and I certainly don't want my students like self-selecting ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And a program like QuestBridge, I think, brings that brings that kind of bridge. Uh, maybe that's what it's for. I don't know. I didn't even mean to do that. But like, it it just well, Joe, don't laugh. I'm uh, trying to say something here where it's very helpful to have kids feel like like a more comfortable place, and they like have support as they as they move forward and something like that. Yeah, I think I think I'll just uh, adding to that. You know, for us, it's we know the data is out there where we see that low-income students aren't even choosing to apply, um, right? So when we think about, um, you know, typically you're you're guiding students and, and crafting a list of colleges that they'll apply to that are sort of a range of the types of schools that they might uh, want to consider. Um, and, you know, for low-income students, only around 8% of them will have reach likely, you know, target schools that they're considering. Whereas for high achieving students, that number goes up to 64%, right? So 64% of high achieving students or high income, high achieving students are crafting lists for colleges that they're applying to that have a, a wide spectrum of different types. Whereas those low income students who are just as equally high achieving, you know, they are self-selecting out of some of these institutions. And, and sometimes that's just not knowing, not being exposed to the types of institutions that we partner with. Um, but other times it's, it's, you know, the price tag, they're looking at that and thinking, there's no way I can even afford, why even apply? Um, when in reality, you know, the partners, the college partners that we have are truly committed to supporting them financially when they apply, right? So, um, you know, for me personally, it was a lot cheaper for me to go to Brown than it would have been for me to go to my state flagship or even my community college Absolutely. down the road. Um, so. It was it was a great fit financially as well, um, but I wouldn't I don't even think I knew that when I was applying, um, which is really what keeps a lot of students um, from low income backgrounds from even considering these schools. Awesome, I think that's a I think it's a great wrap. Unless there's something that you feel like we have not asked you about the about Questbridge that we we needed to. No, I think we, we covered a lot of ground here, um, but, you know, I think I'll, I'll just say we have a lot of information on our website at questbridge.org um, on both of our programs and, and our full breadth of uh, lifelong opportunities that students get. And we try where we can to provide resources, not just for students applying and going through the process, but also for counselors, for teacher recommenders, for parents and families. Um, uh, we you know, translate some of our information to Spanish as well, trying to cover um, as many uh, student supporters as we can in the process, because we know that, you know, students aren't acting in a vacuum. (laughs) They're supported by their educators and their counselors and their families and their parents. And so uh, we're really trying to equip as many folks as we can to to get more students into these schools and to make sure that they're graduating um, and being successful. You were an amazing, amazing guest. Thank you so much for everything. We we should take a break and then we'll come back with our four lenses, words of wisdom, and that'll be it. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Let's get into our various lenses for today's episode. Mr. Ford. All right. So as always, let's start with if you're an independent or a school counselor. I know one of the first things I do when I see that first QuestBridge email is to start looking through my list of students, trying to figure out who might be a viable candidate for the program, who might be somebody that that would be a good fit. Um, That might be running through a list of, of students that I've worked with, free and reduced lunch students, talking to my fellow counselors, looking at students individually. We know about their current financial situations. But as a school counselor, I just want to make sure that students are familiar with the program and the opportunity that QuestBridge provides. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier, Chris and I both 
Um, been lucky enough to have a, a student match. Um, I know how much pressure came off of, of my student um, for the, the remainder of his senior year. Um, and so school counselors, independent counselors, make sure you're familiar with QuestBridge. Make sure that you inform your students of the program and of the opportunity that presents itself. If you're at a university, I mean, this one's a little bit tougher, I suppose. I mean, you could talk within your offices about partnering with QuestBridge, but I think on a deeper level, it's maybe not exactly that. It's, it's back to your Christmas list for the third time today, which is trying to find ways to fulfill all financial need without loans. If you, you know, if you find yourself in a position where you think QuestBridge might be a good fit, then and reach out and they can vet you and see if if you have the support. But I think it, it's a, just on a deeper level of whether you are or not with QuestBridge, the philosophies behind that program and what these schools are doing for students is really what to stick with. Okay. If you are a parent, parents, QuestBridge is an awesome opportunity for students. Uh, who are selected, but just remember, it's not a guarantee. Like most things with the college admissions process, you need to support your students, but do not put so much pressure on them with this or any other program that it will cause lasting strife if they aren't selected. If they are selected, outstanding, and it'll be a significant accomplishment. However, just remember, there are many paths to a college education and though the paths may be longer and bumpier than a Questbridge road, students can still get to the end result in education from a quality institution of higher learning that meets their needs. And at the end of the day, that's the point. If you are a student, juniors, look into the College Prep Scholars Program. Your match chances are six times higher when you complete this program. And it's a great resume item to have and a great experience Seniors, I uh, mentioned it earlier on this episode a few minutes ago, don't self-select, apply. Apply through QuestBridge and let the chips fall where they may. Remember, those not matched oftentimes are admitted ED or regular decisions, so it's, it's worth a shot. Go for it. And if you're a teacher, like what Joel said, be on the lookout for any potential candidates who might be a good fit for the junior program and be ready to support them. Familiarize yourself with the QuestBridge website so you know how to best advise students and how to write the most effective recommendations. And with that, it's time to wind down this episode where we will finish up today with Chris's words of wisdom. Chris, what do you have for us today? Today's words of wisdom. Uh, every now and then, I just feel like I need to go back to my counselors out there. Um, since August 1st, you have dealt with nervous students. Yep. Extra nervous parents. Yep. The PSAT. Yep. And the revolt that may happen with that. Uh, the letters of recommendation, yep. college visits, mm -hmm. application reviews, mm -hmm. the CSS profile, IDOCS, <laughs> SRAR, SSAR, even though it's the same thing, score, Naviance, Parchment, or whatever you use, students mm -hmm. less worried about deadlines than you are, students more worried about deadlines than you are, colleges telling students they don't have transcripts you sent, parents telling you colleges don't have transcripts that you sent, resending transcripts, all while making sure you aren't late to lunch duty or the stupid faculty meeting. I have a faculty meeting tomorrow, by the way. It's probably stupid. Sorry. Yeah, Andy. who knows? Hey, you know, by the way, I can say that now because I'm not, I can say stupid faculty meetings. So here at Get Schooled, we see you, counselor, and, and our words of wisdom, maybe advice, if you will, especially over this holiday season, is to relax, recharge, and know that you are doing your absolute best. Um, I, I don't, don't forget about, all these things are easy to think about, but I, I don't want you to forget about the student who got into their first college or, or the thank you note from that kid you didn't expect to get or just like freaking knowing you made a difference in a kid's life because you did. We appreciate your listening to us 
and please do what we say. Relax, recharge, and maybe uh, buy yourself something cool over the break. You earned it. Hey, I've already got my Lego sets ready for the Christmas break, buddy. Nice. I took your advice before you even gave it. I got. I already bought myself some muck boots to go around and artifact hunt with my buddy on like the riverbanks and stuff. Well, there you so, go. That was what I got myself. And remember, you can always listen to Get Schooled on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. You can follow us on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it this week at at GetSchooled3, at AskMRReeves, and at TheMR4D. And you can find us on the internet at www.askmrreeves.com slash GetSchooled. Joel, tell our listeners about our next episode. Okay, I've been wanting to do this for a couple of months. I'll believe it when I see it, but Chris says we're going to do it this time. So, for the next episode, we're going to talk about matriculation and yield. How do colleges get students to say yes amid all the acceptances? Some schools have waiting lists. Others are trying to meet their class quotas or or numbers or whatever. Once admission decisions go out, the work for colleges is not over. In fact, it's only just begun. And we're going to say the word matriculation a lot of times on the next episode. Next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Right, Mike? Jeez, please. <laughs> Just put that music up really high there at the very end. <laughs> Just get that going, will you? We're going to talk about stuff. The views expressed by the hosts of the Get Schooled by Reason Ford podcast are their own and are not necessarily representative of any groups or schools to which they belong.